0: Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Okay. So, uh, today is a bit of an unusual um, service. It's always a, a pleasure for us to, to have baby dedications, but then it it means all um, all kinds of extra things in the service that, that we don't usually have. So, it means... Uh, I have less time to preach, which is not a bad thing, <laughs> so uh, hopefully I'll um, be a bit more brief than usual. You know, some some weeks ago, we as a leadership, um, just the elders and deacons and stuff, were praying and saying to God, okay, God, what are you speaking to us about now? It was sort of as we were going down in the levels in lockdown, and I think we were sort of going to level two or something like that, and we were just praying about that. And in a couple of consecutive weeks, at intercession and, and during this time when we as leaders were praying, um, the Lord was talking to us about things like discipline, that he's is, that is disciplining us, that we must, according to Hebrews 12, we must receive hardship or endure hardship as discipline, uh, that we must receive it as discipline, uh, about uh, repentance, about the fact that, that he knows how to speak to us, and he knows how to get through to us. And he knows how to lead us and guide us. And um, that, that he wants us to, to empty out certain things, you know, wrong things, and, and, and so that we can be filled with him and, and, and really just have a focus on him. And, and one of the central things that came through in all of this was the fear of the Lord, which, which is a concept really that we as modern people struggle with a bit. It's, 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 it's difficult... Um, for us to to understand and and the and the, and the concept and the, and the 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 fear of the Lord appears probably about 150 times in Scripture. So it's it's very common in Scripture. It's 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 there a lot, um, especially in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. Um, so it's clearly an important concept, but it doesn't find much traction with modern people. And um, you might ask yourself, but why? why? Why don't we understand the fear of the Lord? And and I think there are a few different reasons. I mean, even, even just hearing it, hearing that I'm going to be talking about the fear of the Lord, some of you might be tempted to switch off and say, ah, you know, that's like old, archaic, you know, spiritual stuff. You know, that's not for us. That's not for today. Um, but I want to encourage you to, to just maintain an open mind and, and just listen and and hear if maybe maybe there's not something in it that is not just for 2,000, 3,000 years ago, but that is actually for today, that that we actually need as modern people. Um, The reality is that we don't always understand as modern people the fear of the Lord, and we don't always like as modern people the fear of the Lord, this concept of the fear of the Lord. Um, And part of the problem is our relationship with God and how we relate to God it's it's quite common you know one of our highest values especially as modern western people is freedom freedom of choice you know don't impose your choices on me don't tell me what to think you know I want to choose what I I know what's best for myself I want to choose Um, even even, I mean children uh, you know their parents are told, you know, don't, don't, you know, impose your will on them. They must choose for themselves. Going so far as to choose, you know, not only the clothes that they wear, but, you know, ultimately the, the gender that they identify with, or, the, or not the gender, the sexuality that they identify with, and all that kind of stuff. And, and to us as modern people, choice, freedom of choice especially, has probably become the highest value in, in our Western, modern Western culture. And um, we naturally apply that to God as well. Because, I mean, if, if there's anything that consumers value, it's choice. You, you, want, you want different choices and you want to be able to choose the best one. And, and, and there's this feeling, because, I mean, we live in a consumer world. And, and, and in Joburg, let me tell you, that consumer mentality is stronger than probably anywhere else I've lived. It, this is a, there's a very strong consumer culture here in Joburg, and it, it's very easy for that culture to affect us. And, and, and without knowing it, we very often come with this, I want different choices of goods and services. And, and, and that consumer mentality slips in, even in our approach to God, and we say, I want many choices. I want to make the choices when it comes to God and church. And, and, and we, we actually approach God, approach God and church as consumers. And, and when we come to God as a consumer, I was, I was walking in, um, uh, in, in Cresta, the, the Cresta shopping center, the other day uh, with one of my children. And, and we, I, I saw there was like a, a, a portion in, what's that um, toy shop? Toy Kingdom or Toys R Us or one of those, those shops. But I saw through the window there was a section, a Build-A-Bear section, where you can go in and there are all different parts of the bear and you can sort of put them together and build your own bear. And so often we want to do that with God. We want to come in, pay our, our money and sort of do a, put together a Build-A-Bear God. Where we put together a God that we like, that we feel comfortable with, And we we, we construct God as we want Him to be because we're the consumers, we're the customers, and the customer is always right, you know. (laughs) So we don't as modern people, you know, and, 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 and I know most of us as Christians who've been Christians for a while, we hear that and we know it's wrong, but it's very hard for that mentality, that consumer. It's very insidious, it's pervasive in our culture, and it's very hard for it to not slip in. Even without us realizing it sometimes. And so, modern Christianity has often, not always, but often rejected the things about God that it doesn't like and only accepted the things about God that it does like. Rejected the things about God that it sees as not beneficial or even dangerous and only accepted the things about God that it sees as beneficial and not harmful. So, for instance, you know, many modern Christians or many modern people in general will say, oh, the God I believe in isn't a God of judgment because that doesn't seem beneficial to us. <laughs> okay? He is he's not a harsh God. He's a God of love. He loves everyone. Okay? And more than that, even... I mean, that's, that's often people who are, not quite, who are not Christians who say that. But even us as Christians, when we relate to God, we often relate to him as our buddy. And, and you can see in that context why it would be difficult for us to relate to the fear of the Lord. Why, if God is your buddy, would you have reverence and fear for him, respect for him? You wouldn't. I just want to read you a few quotes by, by Eugene Peterson that I found quite helpful. He says, The fear of the Lord, maybe you can just put it up on the screen as well. Wait. Yeah. The fear of the Lord is the stock biblical phrase for the way of life that is lived responsively and appropriately before who God is, who He is as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In other words, not who we want Him to be, but who has revealed Himself to be. Okay? And then he, he goes on and He says, Despite is a little uh, quote from Jordan Peterson, uh, Eugene Peterson. Despite uh, its prominence in the Bible around 150 occurrences, the term does not find wide use among modern Christians. Fear apparently gets us off on the wrong foot. Grammarians help us regain our biblical stride by calling our attention to the fact that fear of the Lord is a bound phrase, a syntagm, sin, whatever that is, a bound phrase. In other words, the four words in English, two in Hebrew, Are bound together, making a single word or a single concept. Its function as a single word cannot be understood by taking it apart and then adding up the meanings of the parts. Fear of the Lord is not a combination of fear plus of plus the plus Lord. Fear of the Lord is a word all its own. So we don't look up fear in the dictionary, then God, and then proceed to combine the two meanings. Fear a feeling of apprehension plus God, a divine being worthy of worship, is not fear of the Lord. Okay? The fact that fear of the Lord cannot be precisely defined is one of its glories. We are dealing with something that we cannot pin down. We inhabit mystery. We can't be cocksure about anything. We cultivate an attentive and reverent expectation before God. And then finally he says, the fear of God is the death of, uh, sorry, this is a, a quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, the fear of the, of God is the death of every other fear. Like a mighty lion, it chases every other fear before it. Um, and so even, even though the fear of the Lord appears often in the Bible, we seem to struggle with it a bit. Because one of the problems is we we. Th- we connect. We, we have a negative connotation to the word fear. Okay, so I went through most of those 150 references to fear of the Lord in the Bible. And don't worry, I won't, I'm not going to share all of them with you this morning. <laughs> and I'm just going to sum up. I'm going to sum it up for you. And, and you know, in the week, weeks you know coming, we'll we'll continue to unpack some of it. Um, but yes, yes, just the executive summary. Okay. Firstly, the fear of the Lord is not being frightened of God. That's very important to realize. The fear, this is the misunderstanding that causes many modern people to dislike this concept of the fear of the Lord because they connect it with, oh, I must be frightened of God and I must run away from Him. No, 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 no. Fear of the Lord, there are scriptures that clearly show us that fear of the Lord, when you have the fear of the Lord, it, it, it means that you're not frightened of God. It means that you don't run away from Him, you actually run to Him. Ironically, the fear of the Lord draws you closer to God. One scripture says, um, Lord, forgive sins so that we may fear your name. In other words, I mean, God forgives sins, and that's, why we fear, that's one of the reasons why we fear his name. In other words, he shows goodness and mercy to us, and that causes us to fear his name. So it shows you it's not being frightened of him. Another scripture um, talks about the, 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 the friendship of God is with those who fear him. In other words, those who fear him experience friendship, intimacy with him. So it, it, far from making you frightened of God and causing you to run away from him, it causes you to actually draw closer in friendship to him. There's another passage where, um, in, in Kings, I can't remember if it was first or 2 Kings, um, I think it's 2 Kings 8, where, where Solomon is dedicating the temple, and, then he say, and he prays, and he says, God, please answer the prayers, That the nations, the Gentiles, pray in your name so that they may fear your name. Show them goodness. Show them favor. Answer their prayers so that. So answered prayers leads to fearing the Lord. So you can see that the fear of the Lord is not being frightened of God. It doesn't chase you away. It draws you closer. It invites you closer. It it lures you closer. That's the first thing. Um, The second thing is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay, That's a theme that comes especially in proverbs many many times but not only in proverbs in in other places in the old testament as well in other words if we want wisdom what is wisdom wisdom is knowing the what what the will of the lord is and the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom you cannot start to know what god's will is unless you have a, a right relationship with him unless you have a reverential fear and respect for him in the positive sense that that we've been talking about here um, then also the fear of, of the Lord is a desire to please God above all. It's a desire, a deep desire. To, the first time I, uh, I think, uh, I speak under correction, but the first time I think I found the first scripture in the Bible, I found the fear of the Lord in, was that, that story of Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. And then after God had stopped him and said to him, no, don't harm this, uh, your son. Now I know that you fear me, because you did not withhold your son, your only son, from me. In other words, the fear of the Lord says, Lord, whatever the cost, I want to please you. Even if it breaks my heart, I want to please you. Okay? Um, the fear of the Lord is living in constant awareness and responsiveness to God. And, 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 the one that, and another one that goes with it is, um, often it says, the fear of the fear of the Lord causes us to shun evil or to turn away from evil. now there's an interesting one I must, I must read this one to you, uh, because that sort of combines this this passage combines the two this is I, I don't think I have it up on the on the screen, but if, if you want to uh, look it up with me, you can go to Leviticus 19. Here we go, Leviticus nineteen verse fourteen, I think. listen to this. It says, Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God, I am the Lord. And then verse thirty-two says, Stand up in the presence of the aged, show respect to elderly and revere and revere your God, or fear fear your God, I am the Lord. But you know where it says, Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear God. Can you see what it's saying there. What it's saying is if you, re- if you have respect for God, if you reverence God, then you'll be aware that He hears everything that you say and you'll be aware that He sees everything that you do. And you'll be aware that you should w- not do evil even if you can get away with it. Because if you curse a deaf man, he's not going to hear you. You're going to get away with it. If you put a stumbling block in front of a blind man, you're going to get away with it because he's not going to see you. But God's going to see you. God's going to hear you. And fear of the Lord makes you aware of the fact that God hears you. And God God hears everything and God sees everything. And you live with a conscious awareness of God's presence, God's ear that is listening to you and God's eyes that are upon you. And therefore, you don't want to do wrong even when you can get away with it. And it forces you to live with integrity and to shun evil. Can you see how powerful that is? So, so this specific you know, example, he says, the fear of the Lord will cause you to refrain from oppressing people, even if you could get away with It would cause you to refrain from harming the defenseless, even if you could get away with it. Because you know God sees even when the blind man doesn't God hears even when the deaf man doesn't um, the fear of the Lord results in great benefit to those who have it there's a whole you know group of scriptures that says you know long life and blessing and favor rest upon those who who have the fear of the Lord the, the angel of the Lord encamps you know the uh, you know, being protected, protection. The angel of the Lord camps around those who fear, who fear the Lord. Um, then one that we're going to look at, especially today, is the fear of the Lord must be learned. Okay, you're not born with it. So here's my, my definition of the fear of the Lord after reading through all those scriptures, my attempt at least at a definition. It, you know, if you're going to improve on it, you're welcome to do so. But I just try to capture it in one sentence. The fear of the Lord is learning to consciously live before God in radical, reverent responsiveness to him, which results in wisdom and great good. Okay, so the fear of the Lord is learning to consciously live before God in radical, reverent responsiveness to him, which results in wisdom and great good. So, okay, why, why, do, we, why do we struggle to, to fear the Lord as modern people? I just want to mention this very quickly. Firstly, there's nature. Our very nature as human beings, as fallen human beings, causes us to struggle to respect or reverence the Lord. We're sinful human beings before a holy God, and the reality is that it's not always easy for us to reverence Him. In fact, our, our, our our fallen nature, our flesh, militates against it, fights against respect for God. And we see that coming out in all kinds of places. If you look around you, just at popular media, you'll see a lot of disrespect for the Lord just because of human nature. It's our nature to disrespect God because of the fall, because mankind has fallen into sin, and sin has found a home inside of us. It's changed our nature. It's changed our hearts towards God um, from reverence to, to rebellion. But then there's also nurture. Because of that nature of human being, you know, the cultures that flow out of human beings, the, the, the media, all of that, um, also don't have a fear of the Lord, and, and our nurture actually nurtures us in, in the wrong direction. Just as an example, in, in families, and we see this not only in South Africa, but, but all countries that are moving towards being post-Christian, and, and much of the West is either post-Christian or moving towards it. We, we see that family culture has changed. I mean, when, when I was a child, you know, we still used to get spankings, my dad had a plank like this, made of ironwood, called Doctor Klopper. Okay, and whenever you you had the the disease of disobedience, Doctor Klopper would uh, <laughs> would first diagnose, you know, your, your, your specific disease, and then he would, um, you know, he, he would he would prescribe a prognosis and, and, and a diagnosis, and and he would um, do an operation on you. Usually it was on that side of you, <laughs> and you know I remember my parents. I mean, they, they were. I mean, even though they were far from perfect, they were good parents, and um, you know they tried to love us as as much as they could. My, um, you know, I was never frightened of my dad, but I but I had respect for him. When my dad spoke, he didn't speak much, but when he did speak, we listened. Okay, and. Um, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd want to hear him affirm us, but when we heard him, you know, when he, when he scolded us as well, we were quick to, to respond because of that respect um, that we have. And most families, modern families, don't have that anymore. I mean, it's, it's even illegal to spank your children anymore. And, and the idea that you should respect your parents is sort of fizzling away. It's fading away. And most parents actually think that what they're supposed to do as parents is just be their children's buddy, and that's forms the basis for our understanding of God. So, so what happens in the family that that lack of respect in the family takes away the basis for our respect for God. I mean, if you, if you if you look on 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 you know just in culture, um, social media, uh, you know movies, just. Uh, it's, it's interesting, especially how God is disrespected. I mean, if, if, if in movies and, and stories and stuff they use swear words, it's always God or Jesus. You never hear them talking about Buddha or Allah or Muhammad. Isn't that interesting? And, and it just shows you how it's, how it's in, in, in built into us. And, and just respect in general. I mean, if you look at, you know, politics, Julius Malema and the EFF and the... Um, you know, left wings and the right wings and the Republicans and the Democrats and the this and the that. I mean, just the blatant disrespect on Twitter and, and Facebook and those places that people have for each other. So we're living in a society that's losing the value of respect. And reverence goes even beyond respect. And it, it's quite understandable then that we would struggle to to respect and reverence God. Now, the reality is as as fallen human beings, we will fear. As 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 dependent human beings, we will have fear. We cannot choose whether we fear, only what we fear. And the more you fear God, the less you'll fear everything else, as Spurgeon said. The fear of God is like a mighty lion that chases every other fear before it. Um, let me just read this scripture um, in Deuteronomy. If you can just go to Deuteronomy 31, the first um, scripture slide so moses wrote down this law and gave it to the levitical priests and carried the ark of the co- who carried the ark of the covenant of the lord and to <clears throat> all the elders of israel then moses commanded them at the end of every seven years in the year of canceling debts during the festival of Tabernacles. When all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, you shall read this law before them in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and children, and the foreigners residing in your towns, so that they may listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of this law. Their children who do not know this law must hear it, And learn to fear the Lord your God as long as they live in the land you are crossing over the Jordan to possess. In in other words, what it says here is that because of our nature and our nurture, the fear of the Lord doesn't come naturally to us. And we have to learn it. We're not born with it. We have to learn it. It has to be taught us. And there's a whole bunch of scriptures that, that talk about, let me teach you the fear of the Lord. But here it says you must learn it. And, and one of the specific ways mentioned here of learning it is through the word. And that's why it's important what we are doing today. Coming together and corporately receiving the word so we can learn to fear the Lord. Learn to relate to the Lord in the right way. To have a reverent respect for him. Um, and, and I want to encourage you. I mean, We, we, we dedicated two babies today and don't underestimate, parents, what effect. Just those you know, 10 or 20 minutes that you spend just reading a portion of Scripture, just talking about it and then praying about it. If you do that on a daily basis, what effect it has on your children. It has a massive effect. It has a major effect on them. Because they learn the fear of the Lord. But what I want you to see here is the, just three words. Listen, they must listen to the Word, they must learn the fear of the Lord, and then they must live out the Word of the Lord. And what I want you to see is that learning the fear of the Lord is the crucial link between listening to the Word and living the Word. There are many people who listen to the Word but never live it. Why not? Because they never learn. To fear the Lord. We often, let's apply it to us. we often listen to the word and then don't live it. Why not? Because we haven't learned the fear of the Lord adequately. The fear of the Lord is something in your heart, on the inside of you. In other words, in your scripture reading, one of the greatest things that you must do is allow the Bible to address your heart. Not only your hands. It's so easy for us to try and do behavior modification. Oh, I must behave better. Oh, I must do better. Oh, I must stop sinning. Yes, yes, by all means, we must stop sinning. That is true. But we mustn't just stop sinning in our hands. We must first stop sinning in our hearts by learning the fear of the Lord in our hearts. And then it will affect our hands. Tim- and what happens is, if you just change your hands, change your behavior on the outside without changing your heart on the inside, The change will not last. We need the fear of the Lord to really, truly, deeply change and to grow and become more like the Lord. We need it. Our children need it. So when you read Scripture, trust God that you'll get, one of the things that you'll get primarily is that you'll learn to fear the Lord so that you can experience deep and lasting life change. I just want to close with one last scripture, and and I wish I had more time to to say something about this. But but let me just read it to you and and just say a few things. Isaiah eleven, verse one to three, says, "A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and his root uh, from his root, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit." Of knowledge, of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. The word of God, receiving the word of God, not only by ourselves, but corporately, as families, and especially as the church, is one of the main places where we learn the fear of the Lord. The healthy fear of the Lord that gives us wisdom and draws us closer to God. But we need this. We need to see Jesus, because one of our our big fears is, but Lord, if I live like that, if I live in that radical way that puts you first and focuses primarily on you and seeks to please you primarily, won't that be harmful to me? Won't bad things happen to me? Won't it be no fun? I mean, that's, that's in our hearts often what we ask. But you see, the good news is that Jesus lived that life. That was hard, and that was—he delighted in the fear of the Lord, and all the hardness, all the catastrophe, all the judgment, all the God turning away, all the um, the death. He experienced that, so that we could experience life, and he lived an amazing life. where all the benefits of the fear of the Lord he didn't receive. On the cross, he received exactly the opposite of what the Bible says you receive if you fear the Lord, even though he delighted in the fear of the Lord. The, the only person who ever fully and truly delighted in the fear of the Lord. So that even when we, our fear of the Lord isn't perfect, we can experience the benefits of it. But what we need, what the Scripture says, what we need if we want to be able to delight in the fear of the Lord like Jesus did is we need what Jesus had. What did Jesus have? He had the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. If we have the Holy Spirit, we will be able to fear the Lord in a good way that Jesus had. Now, think of this. Jesus had the closest, most intimate relation with the Father. He knew the Father better than anyone ever had because he'd spent eternity in the past with him. And he knew Scripture better than anyone else. And he delighted in the fear of the Lord. If you know God and you know his word, you will delight in the fear of the Lord. And if you have his spirit, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, he'll awaken that in your heart. I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. Just cut out all distractions. Cut out all thoughts that are trying to come in and distract you. I'm not saying empty your mind. I want you to focus on God. We heard God's word now, and I want you to just focus on him, and I want you to just ask him two things. Lord, reveal yourself to me, number one, and number two, Lord, teach me to fear you in this way. Teach me to reverence you in this way, and then just be quiet and listen to the Lord. Father God, you are great and awesome, Lord. Greater than we can imagine. Greater than our understanding can fathom. Lord, trying to understand you is like trying to pour the ocean of divine truth into the cup-sized container of human understanding. But thank you, Lord, that you reveal some of yourself to us. And that you teach us to reverence you and Lord we just declare Lord as, as a church that we desire to fear you and to reverence you in this way and to have this healthy relationship with you where we're totally drawn to you but where, when we come near to you there's a, a reverence and a respect where we love you and experience your love as a father but where we stand in reverent awe of you and have that healthy respect for you. Please teach us Lord. Please help us Holy Spirit. Please direct our hearts. Please mold our hearts into this form. We just pr- I just pray, Lord, that as we go out into this week, that at all moments we will be aware of living before you, living in your presence, living with your ear towards us and your eye upon us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. I just want to, I just thought of this, you know, just imagine families, what families would be like if we really feared the Lord. If you didn't have to tell your children, you know, to, you know, do things and supervise them the whole time because they do it without you watching because they know the fear of the Lord. Imagine what our politics would be like. If politicians feared the Lord and they weren't corrupt because they knew God was watching them. Imagine what our society would be like. And if people were respectful and nice to each other, even when they were using a a pseudonym on the internet. um, Just because they know God knows who they are. Imagine the kind of society we would live in. Imagine how much better it would be. Can you see how much we need this fear of the Lord? Father, I just pray your blessing of your people. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the continuing abiding presence of the Holy Spirit be on all of you. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you as you go. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.org.